Blog Talk Radio. Back at it again. It's another edition. Can't stop, won't stop style. Friday, April the 17th, 2015. Hoo-fi. We are 12 days away from the 2015 NFL draft. And, whoo, man, I got draft fever every time around this time of year. It's just what it is. We don't sleep. And we just peel our ears to the NFL draft. I am your host, Rick Saratella. Be breaking it down for you here on this 2015 NFL draft big board debate part deuce. Okay. A um, couple things real quick to get out of the way. First off, check out myfantasyleague.com for all your fantasy football web hosting solutions. Fantasyfootball.com. It's where it's at. You know where else? It's at NFLDraftBible.com. You want the latest mock draft scouting reports, videos, player interviews, and podcasts such as these. Check us out, NFLDraftBible.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at NFLDraftBible. And we did release a brand-new video, spanking new, this morning from our behind-the-scenes journey out to Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine where we were uh, – tracking the, the, the path to the draft for Mike Burton, the Rutgers fullback, and whether you're a fan of him or not, it's just an interesting perspective, point of view uh, to get a feel for what it's like to be an NFL player, what they go through, and the whole entire schedule. And one of the people out there with me in Indianapolis was none other than Joe Everett himself, who joins us right now on the MyFantasyLeague.com hotline. We welcome him into the show. And Joe, I don't know if you had a chance to check out the new video, but I'm sure you can appreciate it. Of course, in your home stomping grounds of Indianapolis, a lot of scenes, a lot of footage, a lot of memories. Uh, so check it out when you get a chance. Oh, most definitely will. It's uh, the best time to be in Indianapolis is during the combine. Coaches, players, the the future stars, even present stars, they all they all come in into Indy and uh, that time just uh, talking to all these future players. It's great, you know. Uh, two weeks away, Rick. I, I keep getting more requests. Well, what are you guys going to do more gems? We're, I need some more gems every day over at the Draft Bible. The gems are coming out. Just watch the interviews. You know, some of these players that they're now getting on, uh, I, if I remember correctly, you know, you were first on for some of these player spotlights. Uh, we're going to talk about them some on the defense, but the offense, that Terrell Williams receiver from Western Oregon's blowing up right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here going, yeah, oh, yeah. I, Pretty sure Rick was uh, first on board for that kid. (laughs) Oh, we're driving a train, man. It's coming full speed ahead. And, you know, just to follow up with what you were saying, Joe, because we got a lot of feedback from our last podcast. And if you want to check out the archives here on All Access Football, please do so. We did our draft board debate, big board debate last week on offense. Today is going to be defense. And, uh, Also, click subscribe while you're at it. But I just want to make it clear that there are still 12 days to the draft. We are doing some fine-tuning and tweaking. You know, maybe not so much at the top of the board, but those middle and later rounds, there's still some fine-tuning to be done. Tevin Coleman just had his pro day workout. Uh, You know, there's a couple other things going on. So before you guys blast me about, you know, I can't believe – Player X is so low, and what about player X, Y, and Z, this, that, the other? Listen, give us some time. We're tweaking. 
We're fine-tuning, and I do appreciate the love and the support. And the fact that you're getting on my case means that you care. So I do appreciate it. And, of course, if you want a copy of this big board that we're going to talk about, break down, debate right now, email me, ric at nfldraftbible.com. Now, you can follow Joe at Joe W. Everett. Follow me at Rick Saracella, and you can follow us at NFL Draft Bible. So I did all the plugs, all the promotions. Hopefully, if you're listening on the archive, you fast-forwarded the first five minutes of the show because now we're getting to the nitty-gritty, the guts, the glory, no holds barred. we got the NFL Draft guru in the house, Joe Everett. And like we told you last podcast, we're back with the defensive edition. We're going to go position by position, overvalued, undervalued, and uh, Joseph Mabrosov, let's start it off uh, at the defensive tackle position, if you don't mind. And before we get into your overvalued, undervalued, you know, I always keep my finger on the pulse uh, 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 with other reputable draft analysts, people that I respect in the industry, one of them being uh, Mr. Charles Davis, who um, has come on the show in the past, somebody that I value his opinion and somebody who's very well connected. So the one bit of news that came across my desk, or I should say I was li- listening to a podcast, I forget which one, uh, the one piece of information this, this week that really caught my ear, Joe, because it came from his mouth, is that he spoke with not just one, not just two or three, but numerous NFL teams telling him that Danny Shelton is just the creation of the media and that he is not even going to sniff the top 20 overall picks. Now, even Charles Davis was taken aback by this news himself, but I got to, I got to ask your opinion and get your take on this because uh, it it seems like a lot of people have Danny Shelton pegs for the top 10, but you know, when some, somebody like Charles Davis now, of course it is the smoke signal season and, you know, teams Mm -hmm. putting smoke signals, but he's saying that there's numerous teams that are telling him Danny Shelton is just a media creation. Your thoughts? This is the time, that two weeks right before the real fire where all information appears to be misinformation. And, you know, as much as I love CD, this guy, he covers a ton of college football. So he has valid, you know, and he's got to be coming from somewhere legit, you know. So he talked to somebody that must believe this, but I can't believe that. Is popular consensus. This guy commands double teams. He's out on every play as far as pass rush. He penetrates through the interior. I can't see that. I mean, maybe he's outside of the top 10, but not that far out. I just don't think there's another uh, nose like him in the draft. And if, if you want somebody like him, you're going to have to take a chance on a guy that just has a similar body type without the proven track record. So, yeah, I think this is it's it's more smoke than actual substance. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm right along there with you, and you know, the one thing we aren't privy to is what goes on behind the scenes in Indianapolis with the medical checkups and all that stuff. So maybe we hear something after the draft that comes out. I remember uh, that was a big issue for Chris Borland, actually, I believe, last year. So maybe there's something to it. But the beauty of it, we won't find out till draft weekend, and we're going to count you down live on location at the 2015 NFL Draft. Now, Joe, 
Let's talk about these defensive tackles here. Let's talk overvalued first. Uh, who are we overvaluing on the NFL Draft Bible Big Board here, in your opinion? Well, right now I'm looking at a guy like Leon Orr, uh, the kid from Florida, now notoriously walked out on the team, and that in my opinion, is more of a red flag than some people are worried about, you know, your Jameis Winston here, your Johnny Manziel there. This guy just walked out on the team. I understand being frustrated by not starting. I understand even lashing out if you were informed in a, a disrespectful manner or maybe he had felt insulted that, you know, uh, I wasn't told on time and this is really going to hurt my draft stock. But leaving the team isn't helping anybody's situation, not his, not the team's, not even his teammates. The result, uh, for me, is going to be an undrafted grade. I just don't know how that you could tell yourself, drafting him, that he's going to show up the next day if things aren't going his way or when the team's down. Scores looking bad. Exactly how confident am I that he won't go right in the tank? Uh, that's that's my problem with a guy like Leon Orr, who obviously has athletic ability. He's got a very long body. Uh, it looks like a pro player, but doesn't smell like a pro player. Doesn't walk like a pro player. So I'm just I'm telling you, walking out on the team, that's uh, just a huge red flag for me. So that's a guy. I know he's outside of the top ten of DTs, and and you got to take chances, but. Uh, 13 is a little too high for a guy that, you know, just took a walk. And you know what? All valid points. And, you know, there's probably two dozen NFL teams that, that agree with you dead on, Joe. And you know what? At the end of the day, I think that's more of a talent grade than it is with the off-the-field issues. And just like you said, there's some concerns there about the kid's passion, his dedication, his commitment. All good and dandy, and I agree with you, but can we at least not agree on this, maybe? At the end of the day, when we're looking back at this year's draft five years from now, it's not out of this realm to think that Leon Orr might be a top 15 defensive tackle. Can we agree that much? It's possible. You know, the long arms, uh, the style of play, <laughs> he could fit in there. I'm not going to say he can, All right. but it. It has not okay. been a good off season for him. That's that's one thing I have to hey. say. He's he's got me worried. Hey, listen, that's the one thing we appreciate. Joe tells it like it is, and we're not always going to agree on players. So, uh, you know, if there was a winning formula out there to to determine or predict uh, success in the draft, that person would be a millionaire probably a thousand times over. How about a guy that we are undervaluing, Joe? Who's a guy? Uh, that we're maybe overlooking at the defensive tackle position. This is the one name, if you hear from me from the podcast, take it away, tuck it away. Christian Sicoli Buffalo. Uh, I did not see him on the board. I saw the Medal of Honor game, and Christian Sicoli just dominated. He's got these quick hands. He's such a dynamic interior pass rusher. He's shy at 300 with his uh, quickness, I think, is where he's going to win as opposed to his strength and his size, but he's got base strength. He just he flashes so much. He's so disruptive, so nasty. He kind of reminds me of a very poor man's Fletcher Cox. I know that might be blasphemous in some draft Knicks uh, Rolodex there as far as players to compare, but Fletcher Cox, always in the backfield. He always wins his one-on-ones. This Christian Sicoli uh, also makes his home in New Jersey by way of Albania. 
this guy really had a phenomenal pro day. Uh, ran a 4840 at 290 pounds with a 38-inch vertical. Uh, his 911 broad jump would have been tops amongst defensive tackles at the combine. Uh, also put up 31 reps on the bench. Not too shabby for this Albanian kid who doesn't know a lot about football. I think. Sure, maybe, I don't care where he's drafted, but this kid, you know, you look at Khalil Mack's pass rushing success the previous two years, it's a wonder this kid was contributing to it, at least partially. So uh, every time I think about Christian Sicoli, I get excited for college football. So, I mean, that's just one of those players that, for me, Rick, He's just starting to develop such a buzz to where I don't think it's just, you know, priority free agent or late-round guy. Teams are starting to bring it in. The Giants brought him in. Um, I I believe the Seahawks, but at least three or four teams uh, have brought him in. So I think the buzz is really starting to pick him up, and I would love to see him up higher on the board. I think Christian Sicoli, the Buffalo, this this kid is going to be playing in the league for a long time. Some may believe he's a long shot. I think he's the real deal. And, you know, that's one of the players that uh, I did receive an email about from one of our listeners as well. So, uh, obviously, someone who slipped through the cracks and uh, someone that I have to go back and circle on and, and, and review, and especially since he's from my neck of the woods, Jersey. So, we oh, should yeah. be on top of this kid all day long. So, you know, it just goes to show just another example of the NFL draft process and how many prospects there are out there just when you, well, I never think I know all the prospects, but just when you think you have a good feel for all the prospects, there's always somebody else popping up. And that's the beautiful thing about covering the NFL draft is that I learn about somebody new every single day of my life. Uh, Let's move it on to defensive ends and not, uh, not too many pass rushers after we get past the the first round guys, Joe, in terms of those four three pass rushers. But uh, you know, who's somebody here that we're overrating at the defensive end position? I may get some flack for this, Rick, but I think Randy Gregory is more of a, a just a name and an athlete right now, as opposed to guys listed behind him. On our board, I mean, sure, he's he, he's going to test well. He's got this basketball frame, and he could be. We've got to project what be. So he's got to be ranked in the top five. There's no question around it. But I think even before this this rumor of the marijuana use and just how seriously he's taken things, I don't see him consistently win from game to game. And I don't know that he's got an identifiable position. Is he playing with his hand in the ground? Is he a traditional base DE? I don't know that I see that. Um, I see uh, much more of a stand-up pass rush linebacker that's still going to need some work, has some limits in coverage. And at, at this point, I think Randy Gregory's still a little bit of a ball of clay as far as the guys behind him that I'd rather have. I mean, Diggy Zua, I think, you know, coming from more of a pro scheme that I like, uh, Dupree, uh, I think, is a top-ten pick. I might even be more comfortable with Preston Smith. It's just Randy Gregory is another guy that worries me. But on the same token, we were talking with uh, Orr, Rick. If you told me Randy Gregory was one of the better pass rushers from this class, I wouldn't be surprised. It's just will he get his head on straight? He's another one of those guys that I think is as high as his potential is in ceiling. He's just got as high of a bust factor, and that's just – 
was just a shame because, you know, he's actually from Indianapolis, Hamilton Southeastern High School, so I should totally be rooting for this kid, but there's a reason he didn't stay at Purdue. There's a reason he changed multiple schools. I don't think he's got his act together. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, I was on Giants.com show last week and they asked me to give him one defensive player who I thought might slide come draft day out of the first round that everybody thinks is a consensus first round pick. And Randy Gregory was my guy. And uh, for a couple of reasons, uh, one, because of the dummy test in Indianapolis, you know, you're being tested, you have months to prepare for it. And, you know, when you fail two marijuana tests uh, this past season, your senior or not your senior year, but your final year of collegiate ball at Nebraska, you fail two tests for marijuana, then you come into the combine and fail a third time. So in the past 13 months, he's failed three tests. And that tells me that you're a dummy. And maybe you have a little bit of a problem here. It could be an issue. Uh, My bigger issue is the weight. And I really don't hear anybody talking about this because, you know, Randy Gregory was playing at 217 this past season. And if you remember back in February when he came into the combine, the NFL scouts were actually surprised. They said, "Ooh, wow, he came in at 235. Ooh-wee. Wow, well, his draft stock just <laughs> went up. Yeah, because, you know, he gained 18 pounds in a short period of time. But you know what? I feel like how much – more weight can he put on? I feel like he's almost maxed out. Yeah, maybe another five, ten pounds, but you you start talking about adding another 15 pounds onto the 20 pounds he just added. Now, all of a sudden, you added 35 pounds in the last two seasons. I'm not sure how that translates, and that makes me scared. And the fact that I'm going to be paying millions of dollars to a guy that, you know, once this guy fails one test in the league, he's going to be getting tested a whole bunch of times. <clears throat> he's already on the NFL radar. So now i got to worry about whether or not he passes the test. And if he does, he goes into that whole program that the NFL has now where you're tested once a month or whatever the case may be. But um, it's definitely red flag city for Randy Gregory. So I'm right on board there with you. I think that might be a guy that does – indeed fall on the NFL draft Bible big board as well. Um, let's get to a guy that we are undervaluing at the defensive end position, Joe. Dante Fowler. Can we put him higher than number one? I'm telling you, this kid is like <laughs> my favorite player in this class. So I just wanted to say, I love that ranking first off. Um, now another guy from the all-star trail that, I've probably been a broken record about Brock Hecking from Nevada. I know he isn't going to be a team's feature pass rusher. He's not going to be a high pick, but I just see him winning one-on-ones when I watch Nevada. When I watch him play, he's got a variety of moves that he can use to beat people with. He's intense. He's hyperactive. Those are the words that come to mind while I watch him play. So I just think... You know, the ability that he's shown, what he brings to the table at the NFLPA, the Medal of Honor, showing up to those games, putting his best foot forward, knowing he's not making a senior bowl. You know, also figuring out that he's not getting the combine. I think he's made the best of this offseason process, the, just in the league. And I, I don't care where he gets drafted, but I think 23rd defensive end, uh, is a little low, and then one guy, just honorable mention, uh, Dramoria Rasco, 
maybe outside linebacker, maybe defensive end, but I think 30th defensive end. He's another guy, cerebral player, team first guy. I don't care where he's drafted. I just uh, I know he's going to stick. Uh, actually got more sacks than the much heralded teammate Daniel Hunter there. So uh, Rasco from LSU and definitely Brock Hecking, uh, the most wicked and lethal mullet in college football. <laughs> of course, but of course, who could forget that week of uh, practice at the NFL PA game televised on ESPN and Rasco making some noise as well at the East-West Shrine game. So uh, definitely a couple players, you know, that you kind of out of sight, out of mind. They didn't get the, com- you know, combine snubs, probably two of the guys that weren't invited to the combine this year that will be uh, hearing their name called draft weekend. So, uh some good calls by Joe Everett. As always, you're listening to the NFL Draft Bible Big Board Debate Defensive Rankings with Rick Saratella, Joe Everett, NFLDraftBible.com. Here, you there. And we're going to shift over to linebackers. Uh, you want to group them together, Joe, or you want to take them one by one outside, inside? Don't matter to me. I'll go outside first. Um and one kind of the same token, uh, Daniel Hunter just cautioned people, uh, the LSU kid. I realize he's chiseled from a slab of marble, tested through the roof with a 10-10 broad and that, that 4 5 seven, 40. I mean, what more could you ask for from an athletic perspective? But that 4-5 number kind of sticks out to me. It's the same number of career sacks Mr. Hunter has to his credit, 4.5. So, I mean, it's still – once again, I just caution people, yes, they test well, but what do we have on the field still is a bit of a project. I won't argue that athletically he's a top 25 type of athlete, but that's a guy wondering. Also, the case of uh, Huali Kakaha from Washington. These guys, I think, are overrated on the board. Just Kaha, uh, I think nine's respectful, actually, because, you know, you look at his production. You look at the film, and you're like, this guy changes every mm-hmm. game he's in. He's dynamic. Led the he nation just, in uh, shreds. Oh, yeah, but it's just those those injuries, the two torn ACLs. Uh, I think some NFL teams haven't failed medically, and that shouldn't come to surprise to our listeners, you know, given his history. So that's a guy a little leery on, but even more so the Hunter kid from LSU. I would caution people overly excited on him. We may have him a little bit high. You know, how would you uh, – an interesting question, a follow-up question on that, Joe. How would you rank him – compared to Barcavius Mingo, who came out a couple years ago, that, you know, people in Cleveland are just ready to declare to, to him a bust. Um, would you say he's higher valued, lower valued? It's an uh, interesting comparison. I would say he's even lower valued than Mingo because he's got less production, but seems to be a similar athlete, similar position. I mean, and what, what really hurts a guy like Hunter, like you said, Mingo at this point, some people are just ready to pull the plug and, and pull up stakes, take that 10 on down the road because uh, they haven't seen what's to be expected from his lofty draft position. And this is that, that same worry I've got from Hunter is, you know, someone's going to take him in that top 20 and I don't know that they're getting the top 20 impact. Yeah, could be getting just the guy. Uh, on the flip side, who are some uh, guys that might be getting a gem from the draft? Some of the guys that maybe we're overlooking right now two weeks away from that two, 2015 NFL draft. Well, I think one guy that everybody's kind of guilty of just 
not uh, uh, undervalued or forgetting about. It's just he's always there. Um, Jake Ryan, Michigan, a Buckus Award finalist mm. this year. First team all Big Ten, 41 starts to his credit. Comes from a pro-style defense. Worked under Greg Madison last year of the Baltimore Ravens formerly. Uh, he's played inside backer, outside backer, team captain. I'm losing my breath talking about the great qualities of one Jake Ryan. I think um, he deserves a little bit better than 20th outside linebacker. Uh, also, you know, as a guy that showed up at the combine, had much better footwork than I expected in lateral quickness. And considering he's come back uh, when he tore his ACL a spring ball, he still made it back before the season ended. So that that guy's a gamer. Uh, big fan of Jake Ryan. I think that's another football player. Uh, we know what we're getting with him. I could almost throw his test uh, results out the window, but he did well anyways. And then one more backer, I think, inside that I think is uh, underrated on everybody's board, Hayes Pollard. Skills, he's actually a same mm-hmm. recruit. This kid uh, is a totally professional, two-time team captain, voted by his teammates, and four-year starter. I mean, just hit the ground run. I never see Hayes Pollard high enough on anybody's board. And, yes, I, I'm, I'm favorites. I mean, I've met this kid, totally class individual, but also on the field, just uh, hyperactive, intensely smart, coach on the field. So, yeah, I think Hayes Pollard, I always love to push him up boards. Yeah, I could see him making a uh, kind of similar impact as his teammate a year ago coming out. Uh, Devon Kennard at uh, the Giants uh, talk about value. They took him in the sixth round. I know he stepped in there when uh, John Beeson went down and uh, definitely proved his worth as a uh, very valuable commodity on that New York Giants defense. And, you know, I think inside or middle linebackers are – devalued in general general just as uh we saw with running backs in recent years it's just a position that you know mo- most middle linebackers are linebackers who were too slow to play on the outside so a lot of times you know teams don't invest uh high picks on middle linebackers and you know you talk about Jake Ryan uh very highly rated on the Bluestone National uh, you talk about the four six five forty amongst the tops. Really, all his testing, you know, one of the fastest short shuttle times, and just an outstanding athlete, as you mentioned, Joe. So a guy, one of those lunch bucket guys that brings just, uh, you know, what you're getting with Jake Ryan. Again, a quality football player, and yeah, I agree, needs to be bumped up for sure. Like I said, we're. Uh, Bumping and grinding, moving and shaking, working and twerking. The NFL Draft Bible, big boy. That's why we have NFL Draft guru Joe Everett in the house, along with your host Rick Saratella here. And we're going to uh, change gears now to the secondary. And we'll break it down. We'll go cornerbacks and then safeties. Uh, let's talk first about overvalued cornerback position, Joe. Well, we had to get here, Rick. I'm going after your number one. I understand the Dalen Collins love. You know, he's so long. He's so big. I mean, this is the cutout, cardboard cutout of Richard Sherman, except more athletic. Yes. And uh, he's he had great snaps against Amari Cooper against Alabama. But also, I have to say, Cooper had a couple drops in that game if memory serves. But be that as it may, the bottom line, this kid only has 10 starts under his belt. An SEC play, seven with game this season. And those seven this season may not have come were it not 
for the suspension of Richard Robinson, a 6'3 sophomore who plays in front of this Collins. And I think this is why the uh, the, the advisory committee gave him a less than favorable grade and told him to come back for his senior years because he definitely needs a little bit more work. I think the number one corner ranking is, is just a tad lofty, but the problem is it is. He's just that much of an athlete. And in this corner class, it's just such a jumble of, like, do you go with these superior athletes that could develop into the shutdown guy that you want, or do you go with a proven track record? And Collins is definitely missing that track record, and that's another guy. Um, just has me concerned with what exactly are we getting, Patrick Peterson or <laughs> Morris Claiborne? Yeah, no, I I, uh, I understand your point of view. Uh, don't necessarily agree with it, but I think what I see in Jalen Collins is a game that translates best to the NFL level when I compare him against the other players coming out for this year's draft. I just, you know, think about how his game translates to the next level. And, you know, I know he doesn't have a whole heck of a ton of starting experience. There's a reason for that. You know, he had to bide his time. Uh, patiently behind some quality players, but hey, uh, everybody has the right to to knock my selection of Jalen Collins as a, as as the number one corner. I, I I can't you know hold a grudge for that. Now the surgery or the procedure that I just recently had done, I honestly believe that's that's going to hurt his draft stock somewhat uh, significantly. Where I think instead of maybe the top half of the first round. At the earliest, he's looking at the second half of the first round, and he might drop out of the first round altogether. And if he does, I think an NFL team will be, you know, getting a heck of a talent. It's just, you know, the more, the closer we get to the draft now with Collins' medical procedure and Marcus Peters maybe, uh, <clears throat> you know, with some red flags and uh, just a, a lot of question marks. P.J. Williams, another guy, DUI, uh, wrong wrong, bad timing, bad place. So, I mean, it's like, you know, almost any cornerback now you can state a case uh, why not to draft them. And I think it, it actually bodes well for the guys like uh, Byron Jones and Kevin Johnson and even a guy like Eric Rowe now who I think can even sneak into that first-round conversation with some of these other question marks. So, uh, point well taken and another player that uh, we shall agree to disagree on, Joe, but uh, definitely – definitely understand the perspective for sure. How about uh, undervalued? Oh, there's a few. I mean, overall in the consensus, though, I like these corner rankings because, I mean, this it's really got a lot of depth, a lot of different style of corners. So I go a little deeper. Uh, the guy I have just love, Iman Claiborne, Northwestern State. I think that's a guy. He's um, in the 40s somewhere. I think it's 44. I definitely got to get well, my guy do, up higher than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, come on. He's a great boundary corner. I think we'll develop into a solid nickel early on. and could be more. Even at the shorter height, he's got those 32-inch arms. Uh, really going to be favorable for him. I thought voted well for him at the senior bowl. Batten passes away. And just, like I say, the boundary corner style he plays, he just has that awareness and wherewithal know where those lines are, and use it to his A's as an extra defender. I think uh, Claiborne's a guy that's uh, also drawn some buzz. And then um, the other corner is uh, Salazar that I wanted to bring to the table. 
think he might be a safety. Uh, obviously, a little bit uh, poor time at the combine than he would have liked, but another guy, all Mac. I'll probably watch a little too much Mac football, but he's all instinct. He's he's going to develop into a center fielder, and I don't think he will survive at corner, Rick. I'd like to see him moved into our uh, free safety rankings because I think Salazar is, is a guy that's going to play, but I don't know that it's going to be uh, out on that island. He's going to he's going to have to move uh, to to the back half. All right, and uh, that's uh, probably another valid point by you there, Joe. We'll have to look at the the rankings, maybe shift him over to free free safety, where <clears throat> Lord knows uh, the safety positions do need some major, major help this year in the draft class. Uh, Claiborne, you know, uh, senior bowl invite, you know, he has a chance to be taken as high as the mid-round. So uh, just a guy, like I said, we're fine-tuning, tweaking some of these mid-to-late-round guys, just a guy that's been off the radar. We haven't seen him since the senior bowl. No combine invite. Another guy, now a combine invite that will get drafted. So I'm on Claiborne, guy we probably need to readjust there at the cornerback spots and uh winding down joe we've got a few minutes left in the show to break down some uh safety so let's uh let's get into the overvalued portion of the safety position it is a tough position this year just because not a lot of depth and it's just limited style of safety so i'm going to go with one guy i see I just seem to be souring on him as the whole process goes. The more and more I watch Oregon, Eric Dargan just seems to me to be a linebacker, a faux safety in a linebacker's body. Uh, just sort of a limited player. He might have to leave the field on, on other downs, and he might just be a special teamer the more and more I'm watching. I don't mean to be so critical, and, I'm geez, I hope Mr. Dargan's not listening. going to beat me up in Indianapolis, but I just <laughs> see a guy that might not make it to the draft and – also, really, as I said, might just have to hoof it on special teams uh, before he can actually get in on the base defense play. Definitely a willing player and gets a lot of credit for showing up at the All-Star Games no more or no less than a week after a uh, championship game. So definitely wants it, he, in, you know, high character. But I just worry about the ability. So I think Dargan's a guy I'm finding myself, Rick. I just keep kind of knocking him down my board myself. You know, it's it's good to hear you say that, Joe, because I felt like I was to come around on him or something because I really had him in that, you know, undrafted free agent type of grade and listened to some other people talk him up very highly and uh, was maybe influenced by others. And I actually just started bumping him up. We have him at the number eight strong safety. But, uh, yeah, he was, he was uh, actually even lower than that. Um, and, and I, I was just trying to find ways to kind of like his game and went back, watched a couple Oregon games. And, uh, you know, I think the strong safety position, especially there might be maybe five guys that get drafted in the entire draft. So definitely a hard, uh, position to gauge. And even at the, uh, free safety position, I mean, if we see double-digit free safeties uh, drafted this year, I'd be shocked to see that as well. Uh, so we we covered the overvalued. How about undervalued at the safety spot? Just a couple of guys. Uh, like I said, it's you know I'm going deeper on these guys because I think that's who deserves more attention. Uh, Jacob Hagen from Liberty. Uh, I, I came across him earlier in the process, and I, I think he's getting more buzz. 
as it gets closer. And, uh, you know, he's probably not going to get drafted, but I think that's the priority guy that's going to stick. He could play both free and strong. He's got a ton of range at 6'3". He just His closing speed, his physicality, it's really going to be favorable for him when he gets into a camp. But the Liberty safety and former teammate of Liberty corner Walt Aikens, who was drafted by the Dolphins in the fourth round. So, you know, yes, they play a little football, those Liberty Flames. Um, I think uh, Jacob Hagen could be bumped up a little bit from the 27th ranked. He's at, I think, on our free safeties right now. And then one other guy hits like a ton of bricks, uh, not sour. It's Brian Sweet, Utah State, uh, strong safety. Um, I think he should be added to the board. Really good pro day numbers with a, a super high vertical on it, a 4.5-something, 40, just at his size, a 6.2-plus, 200-plus. This guy flies around to the football and just one of those fellas arrives in a bad mood. I love watching Brian Sweet play, and that's the guy just sort of pops out at you, and then I, I think you got him appropriately ranked, but another guy, you know, we talk about gems all the time, and uh, one guy we brought up mm-hmm. on the gem show that well, I can't see Ace Clark ranked high enough on the board. Uh, you're the first person to tell me about nice. him, and that's another guy. Every time I watch him, I just mm-hmm. off the, the tape, so I think that's another guy. Can't have him higher on the strong safety side of things. No, absolutely. I agree and love, love the fact that we got some small school sign in before the end of the show. And uh, like I said, we are sitting here on April the 17th, just 12 days away, folks, from the 2015 NFL draft. We will be live on location. Uh, Yours truly from the Roosevelt auditorium sounds funny just saying it we'll have uh live streaming video access player interviews uh everything you could possibly imagine when you talk about draft coverage so check us out on the website nfldraftbible.com follow us on twitter at nfl draft bible like i said we just posted on the youtube channel which is all access football uh the behind the scenes footage from Michael Burton when we were up in Joe's neck of the woods for the combine at Indianapolis. Uh, Just can't stop, won't stop. It's that time of the year. So, uh, you know, before I wrap it up, Joseph Mabrosov, any uh, parting shots for the people out there? Hey, Christmas in April. So less than two weeks away, I'm got final preparations on the mock, the final top 100 for the old competitions. And then, uh, yeah, I'm going to put out a few bust articles, uh, just what I can get out, when I can get it out in this 12, whatever, 13 days that's uh, coming away. It's uh, it's the best time of year, man. All right, there you have it. That's Joe Everett. I'm Rick Saratella. Keep it locked. Keep it posted. Follow us on Twitter for our next episode. We will be back before the draft, everybody. You can guarantee it. Put that in the books. Till the next time, everybody.